tens of millions of families with Alzheimer's disease and dementia all over the world, including our family. We are Alls in the Fam. I'm Alan Fair. And I'm Polly Fair Noise. We're siblings, we are parents, but we're also caregivers. This is our podcast. This is our support group. Welcome to our family. Alzheimer's sucks, but this family lives, laughs, and learns as we fight for a cure. Welcome. Hey, family. Hey. Hey, Hi, guys. So I think we have a pretty interesting episode here. We're going to be talking about stages of grief, and it's based on an alls.org um, guidelines. Polly, you want to tell us more about that? Sure. On alls.org, where we've gotten tons of good information, and we'll put the link up in the show notes. Um, they have an article, Grief and Loss as Alzheimer's Progresses, and it's really full of good information. I mean, maybe you've heard about the stages of grief, um, but they're very different for Alzheimer's because a person doesn't get sick with Alzheimer's and, oh no, maybe they're going to have chemo like with um, uh, cancer or something like that. It's really you're in and out of a lot of different stages of Alzheimer's and of grief. So um, I thought we'd use that for a framework to talk about uh, caregivers and how caregivers suffer from Alzheimer's too. Um, it's really a disease that affects the whole family. So um, I think the biggest problem for me with Alzheimer's is that I can never solve the problem and I'm always trying to solve the problem. Um, but anyway, we'll talk about the stages of grief in this Alzheimer's Association article. The first one is denial. I'm not sure I have any good examples of denial, but I bet you guys do. Well, I mean, I think we go all the way back to um, to the beginning of when we were going through diagnosis and us our first conversations about, you know, what's up with mom and, you know, can she live by herself or, you know, is she really sick with something or not paying attention to us? I think there was a lot of denial in every stage that we were going to have to make this decision. I mean, you know, I think we all got together and even as we knew we had to do something, we wanted to hedge our bets because there's that piece of you that wants to deny it's actually happening. I mean, I, I still feel like that sometimes and I feel like that all the time. You hope some solution is going to come out of thin air somehow, and you're not going to be forced to accept and make all these decisions that are horrible. I think there's a denial for me in that before mom got sick, or actually when she was in her early phases of getting sick, our father had a pretty good stroke, and I became his um, medical and financial power of attorney. And um, because I didn't grow up and really neither did, did any of us grow up with him um, being in the picture much or him having uh, an ability to, you know, play a, a traditional father role in our lives. So the way I was able to manage his, um, his care and his finances, I sort of had the same approach the way I managed my businesses and that it was, you know, very methodical and, and, you know, kind of sober in my 
in my approach. And so by the time mom started getting really sick and I think with, with Polly really leading the, the efforts in that, I think there's something where I haven't truly gotten to the place emotionally where I ought to be in it. And uh, when I do take time to think about it, like, like, Oh, I, I, sometimes I think I should be, I, I should be feeling the weight of it a bit more than I do on, on most days. So I think there's a denial there. And in that a little bit of a fear that um, when ultimately one day she does pass, I'm probably, I have this fear that I'm going to miss her and miss her for things that maybe I could still be enjoying from her now and just uh, am not taking advantage of given the way my life is set up with the age my kids are at and the career I'm having, you know, that somewhere in there, in there is, is a denial in me and maybe not making enough time for it. Yeah. I think there was some anger too. Um, that's another, another stage according to the Alzheimer's association. You know, I kind of have this irrational anger and it really flares up when I feel guilty I feel guilty that I can't bring mom here to live with me and take care of her myself. Um, and sometimes I'm angry, you know, at the rest of my family, why aren't they, why aren't they doing more? Why aren't they jumping in to help? And, but I know that that is not a reasonable anger. It's irrational because no one can do everything for another person that way. And having, um, I mean, that's, that's the most difficult thing about Alzheimer's anyway, the way it chooses you to choose between the people you love or decide, you know, to hurt one person you love in order to try and help another. So, but uh, that's me in anger. Anyone else want to talk about anger? If uh, someone else was about to speak, go ahead. I, I just, something I'm thinking about is that um, you hear my story and then Polly's story and Polly's the oldest and I'm the youngest. And I think within that there is a bit of um, birth order. Like th- there probably is something to the fact that I'm, I'm the youngest, I'm the farthest away geographically. Polly's the oldest, the closest to mom geographically and and so within that there's some i don't know maybe roles and responsibilities were playing out whether right or wrong yeah i feel like that too alan somewhat being the third of three girls and i just don't remember being in denial or being angry i remember being really really sad and concerned, but I just knew what was happening and knew that it was definitely going to get a lot worse before, well, not before it gets better because it doesn't get better, but it was just going to keep getting worse and worse and worse. And that could happen over a very long period of time. And then she's going to pass and just thinking, this is going to be a really difficult, long period of time. It's going to be a marathon. It's not going to be a sprint. And having gone through that with my mother-in-law already with her stroke and being a stroke survivor of 25 years, I've been through that before. So that could be part of it. In addition to 
being the third child. Yeah. You know, one of the stages that they don't list of grief is um, guilt. (laughs) But I feel like that is um, where I'm the most grief stricken. I, I just feel guilty. I, I couldn't do enough for mom. I still can't do enough for her. I felt guilty when she still lives in her own house that I just couldn't get out there enough. You couldn't be, she needed to be seen every day and in the beginning and sometimes I couldn't make it every day. And I felt guilty that it took time away from my kids' needs, from you know having dinner for my family because I was running dinner out to her. Um, you feel guilty about, there's no amount of money you can spend to fix the problems from Alzheimer's. Um, I mean, nothing fixes it. Um, and uh, now there's this new guilt. I mean, are you freaking kidding me? There's now there's, we move her in, she was kind of settled in and coronavirus happens. I just couldn't, I, you know, I guess this isn't any of those stages of grief, but it is, it, you just don't know what's coming. Every day is the best day because the next day is just never better. I don't know. Anyway. I feel anger when I think about um, other people in my family that have dementia. Um, Mom never uh, annoys me or, or, or did annoy me with her, her symptoms, but my father-in-law who is always a very gregarious, charismatic man um, still is um, extremely extroverted. um, But now the things he says and and does just come across as obnoxious and, and bragging and full of past stories that, that are simply untrue. Um, and, and so um, I'm having a hard time um, getting my head in the, in the right place now with uh, visits with my in-laws and, and things. I'm definitely going through a bit of a hard time with, uh, with that, that that's affecting my relationship with, uh, with my family. So for me, with the anger, it's more at just the unjust and unfairness um, in the universe, whether you want to call that you know, God or whatever it is, just the the entire idea that my mother has sacrificed so much for us her entire life, done everything right, and now is suffering from this disease. And the only way that we can make her happy is by being with her. And now that's been taken away from us too. I mean, I'm just so angry at the universe for that because it's, it's just shocking. And I know I'm not the only person that's in that situation, the only family that's in that situation. Uh, In fact, I was reading today on this little blog I'm in about this woman, it could have been us. And she was saying how she can't see her mom who has Alzheimer's, who loves to walk. She's 82 years old and healthier than most. And now she can't go see her and take her on her walks. It's killing her. And I'm like, God, even this, you know, it feels so, it makes me mad. (laughs) makes me mad. And the lack of control is unbelievably maddening. So I mean, I feel like I'm at a slow burn all the time. I know that I'm more hot headed than most. And I just have this low level anxiety and anger all the time about the whole situation. I was just going to say, I have to admit something in the first month, 
when we couldn't see her, I felt less guilt than I had for a long time because I couldn't see her. And when I could, I never felt like it was enough. Yeah. I always made sure I saw her once a week unless it was something very unusual. And then if I couldn't see her that week, I would try to see her as soon as possible the next week or even twice the following week. But knowing that I couldn't and there was nothing I could do, oh my gosh, I felt very free of guilt and it made me realize how guilty I did in fact feel not having that. Yeah. And, and guilt is apparently not one of the stages of grief that the Alzheimer's Association has, but it's my, it's my main slow burn. <laughs> mine, mine too, definitely. But we were also raised Catholic, all of us, and <laughs> that's just what you get. I guess so. Well, I, I thought it was worth mentioning because in, in a way, Tracy, you and I are both the youngest because um, you're the, the third of the three sisters. And then I didn't come along uh, for another eight years. So for eight years, you were the youngest of, you know, th- this trio. And then, you know, one, one brother comes, <laughs> comes along. So <laughs> that it, it, we, we do sort of share a, a co uh, youngest sibling in the, uh, yeah. the, the birth order situation there, which is kind of Yes, and I definitely cannot share Bonnie's space as the middle child. That is all hers. <laughs> I, I, I did want to bring up, I, um, during the early days when they'd shut everything down, I kept calling over to the facility and talking to the head of the memory care unit and saying, you know, when can I get in to see my mom? What are you people doing? And she finally said, you are the only person who is doing this. She's like, everyone else is like, just call me when we can visit and we'll come back and visit. Um, So I think there are a lot, I I thought to myself, well, those people's, you know, uh, person that they love can't really get out anyway, but mom likes to get out. Um, But I think there are a lot of people that felt that bit of relief that since they couldn't go, they didn't have to feel guilty about not visiting, I guess. Yeah. So the um, next phase is bargaining. And again, we should mention that these things don't necessarily go in order. So for bargaining, I, you know, my thing with bargaining is I kind of bargain with myself. If I can just get through this phase, this thing, if I can just, you know, get her to stop running away or wandering, then, then it'll be okay. If I can just maybe have her live here for a couple more weeks. Or um, I, if I just put her in this most perfect, beautiful memory care facility, then it'll be okay. If I can just spend enough money on her, that'll be okay. If I can spend enough time on her, maybe then. And uh, the bargaining, it doesn't work. We know that there's no solution. Um, I don't know if you guys bargain with yourselves or with God or something. I don't know. For me, I guess I'm, it's not that, I, that's what I think of when I think of it as a stage of grief, you know, if you, if I do this, will you make it go away? And I don't know that that kind of bargaining has ever come into play for me. Mine's been more about balancing, you know, bargaining with my family, bargaining with my time. 
and bargaining with my money and bargaining that kind of thing. You know, well, if I can, you know, keep her here, then we can do this. Or if I can bring JP with me here, or if, you know, if we can have the bedroom done this way upstairs and move my older son downstairs because mom's afraid of downstairs. So now I got to bargain with, with my older son to change his bedroom so that we can swap them out. I mean, those kind of bargains happen all the time, but in terms of, you know, an internal struggle, sure. All the time. It's always a give and take if we're looking at it that way, but you know, bargaining with the universe. No, I don't think anybody's out there looking out for us. (laughs) It does. It sure doesn't feel like it with Alzheimer's. (laughs) I mean, sometimes it just, it just feels like too much to Mm -hmm. accept. So you bargain with yourself and your family. I guess I, yeah. And this doesn't have much to do with bargaining, but um, the heart I think is, a sensory organ as well. So I'm grateful for that, that, you know, with her brain being so ravaged and full of tangles and plaques that um, I think her heart is still there. She's still delighted every time she sees one of us, even on the phone, if she recognizes us. So she really is. Absolutely. So another phase is depression. Who wants to go first on that one? <laughs> does anyone else want to go first? Because I will if nobody else does. I, I will say most recently, first of all, when mom first moved out of our houses and we'd found a place for her and it was a pretty good place, it was a very difficult transition for her, for us. She saw the phone. She was calling. She called me 40 times one afternoon. But eventually she kind of settled in. And the sense of relief I felt, but also the need to get away from her for a little bit, take a vacation was amazing. And we did go, the four of us away, and it was very healing for me. Um, And I realized then that I had been depressed for a very long time, like just depressed at this problem that I wanted to solve, this person I loved that I couldn't fix. Um, That was hard. And I thought, oh, this is great. I've solved it. Not depressed anymore. But, you know, when coronavirus happened at first, there was a lack of guilt. But then when mom was crying the first time I saw her about her new room, I just, you know, I went into a tailspin. I didn't want to get out of bed. Truly, you know, depression. And I'm lucky that I have family and people that love me and lots of reasons to get up and keep going in the morning. But um, that is one of the hardest stages to go in and out of, I think. I, yeah, I can relate to that. I, just to take it in another angle, I think when I find myself in low mood states and my brain goes into a tailspin of just thinking negative thoughts among the ones that it loves, the depression loves to feed off of is, oh my God, and I'm going to get Alzheimer's too. And the reason I'm feeling this way is this is a symptom of early onset. And, and that's a difficult spiral to deal with because 
when you get in a, in a mood state that low and it's spiraling and you still can think logically and think of all these reasons that you shouldn't think that way and can't get yourself out of it, even though you can logically think better thoughts that can be maddening. Yeah. Anyone no else, else want to talk about depression? <laughs> we, can, we, can go, we can go on to acceptance. I think. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I can, for me, I think I have not felt depression with regards to mom's situation, because for me, I hit bottom when my twins were ill and I was ill and there was nothing I knew that when I recovered from that, that there was nothing in the world, in the entire world that could ever be worse than being sick myself when my children were ill and I couldn't take care of them. That was rock bottom. I got through it somehow. I do not know how. It was absolutely horrible. And ever since then, when I'm dealing with any kind of situation that's really hard where someone I love is ill, and there have been quite a few situations like that. You guys know my husband had a very serious water skiing accident. And a couple of people even said, you seem to be doing really well. And I would say, oh, yeah, I am. I can take care of him. I feel so lucky that I have my own health and I am aware of what's going on. I can be a good advocate for him. I can take care of him. It was nothing compared to what I went through. Nothing, night and day. Um, And it might sound selfish, but it really comes from a place of gratitude, of knowing that if I'm healthy, I can do what I can for her. And I also firmly believe after going through so many discussions with all of you over the last few years, that it's a conundrum that has no solution. And to come to that final decision where there are just some problems that cannot be solved, that probably brought me to the next phase, which is acceptance. And I certainly get depressed about other things. I'm not saying that I've never been depressed since... I was ill and my twins were ill, but it's different. And with Alzheimer's, with mom, I've had to accept that it's going to be hard. We are going to go around and around with all of these problems and nine times out of 10, never come up with a solution, which is depressing just to hear myself say that. And I certainly will have those feelings, but I haven't had anything that has lingered for a period of time long enough where I could call it depression. And you know what, Tracy, you bring up a good point. When I'm talking about depression, it's not the same as um, what you went through and what other people are going through because we are very lucky. We have our health. We have the ability to take care of our mom in a lot of different ways that other people don't. So I, you're absolutely right. And part of what is depressing though, is, you know, what you bring up is a good point is that you can't do enough for mom. You can't do anything for her. Even if I'm well, you know, I feel guilty taking a walk on a beautiful day and going out and enjoying the beautiful weather. Cause I think she would love that. And she's stuck there or I'm out without yeah. her. So but you're right. You know, I bring up a, a trivial depression compared to one 
someone who's sick. And I, I used to see all the time when we took mom member to the memory care day program she did, there were a lot of uh, spouses who would drop off their husband or wife and then come back to pick them up. And I'd be standing there to pick up mom with them. And, you know, those people were not as able-bodied and as young as we are. We mostly had each other to take care of mom earlier. And this would be, you know, someone 80 trying to take care of someone who's 80. And it is just, uh, that's depressing. (laughs) But there is also something to feeling like, gosh, you know, I am young and healthy and have my wits about me and have energy there only is something I could do. Yeah. I mean, it's heavy. Yeah, for sure. Not denying that because I know, I know it's hard. You know, Tracy, you touched on acceptance and um, am am I skipping ahead too fast? Bonnie, did you want to talk about depression? No, I think, you know, I'm sort of in a hybrid of everybody here where, you know, as you live your life, there's very difficult times and you know my way of coping is the same as yours Polly in trying to fix the problem and being the one who is in control and and especially now during covid we have so little control over what's going on and it's i would say it's despair more than depression and there's a distinction there yeah. I, feel a lot I think that's smart, right yeah despair when it comes to it i just you know i'm i'm i the sorrow that i feel has deepened and the despair that I feel and the lack of control that I feel are much, uh, much different, but, you know, uh, because there, there's no good answer, even if you have an answer, it's not a good one. I mean, you have a, you have a solution or you do something, but it doesn't make it better. Right. So anyway, and so no, I think that I've gotten to acceptance. So without having a real depression, And I think, you know, at this stage of my life, I know what real depression looks like in myself and in other people. And so as it relates to this, I try and really be strong for all of us. And thank God we get to share this burden with each other. So um, it really spreads it out and gives us, makes me feel a little less guilt because we're all sharing it, but the despair is still there. Yeah. I was actually looking to see how the Alzheimer's Association described their article, which we'll link to on their website, actually says sadness, not necessarily depression. And I think maybe it's like you said, it's despair, it's sadness, but it's not like clinical depression. And I, or, or perhaps it is, but in my case, I don't think I deserve to have that that good so, label. I do want to say, you know, this has been a very, very heavy conversation. We've talked a lot about mom and what's going on. And I do want to say that my last visit with her, I took my younger son with me and we had a very nice, fun, happy visit where she was cracking up and laughing. We were cracking up and laughing and it was very joyful. So I think my son called during that too, right? That was the one where Polly and I were there, which was also a good visit. The last one I went to was just JP and I, and we were there for about an hour or maybe, maybe it was before the, I can't remember which one it was because luckily we've been able to see her a couple of times now, but um, we had a really good visit. She was super happy and it was a nice day and she looked good. So 
one of the issues with visits was that they've been very short because I think the staff has to clean before and after, even though we're sitting outside and get mom ready and bring her down. It takes a while. But we were really lucky to have a long visit that time. And it made all the difference because mom was able to really settle in, enjoy herself, and then get kind of tired and ready to go up and have a meal and maybe take a nap on the outdoor balcony. So I I do think we need to acknowledge that there are so many people that are individual caregivers and are carrying the burden on their own. And, you know, we do call and talk to each other after we visit or any concern that we see we are able to share with each other, which is huge because we know we all love her as much as the other one, but there are so many people that are doing it alone and I would be depressed, clinically depressed, I know. Well, and, you know, I say this all the time, even with work in sales, you know, if someone's, if someone says no to me or is mean to me, or I have a difficult day, I internalize that. But if I can call you guys and be like, oh my God, let me tell you what happened to me today, then suddenly it's not personal anymore. And we all laugh about it. And it was something that happened and not necessarily something that happened to me. And I I think that that's the way that it is with this, you know, it's really hard and very difficult and we wear it very heavily on our hearts. And then when we share it, it it becomes, it's out there as opposed to weighing on us as much. Yeah. And I think um, I'm just looking at the list of um, things on the Alzheimer's Association website and under acceptance, they say, Asking for and accepting help from others is part of acceptance. And I do feel like we definitely help each other. Where I've personally learned to ask for help and realize that I, just because mom would definitely prefer for me or one of you to do things, certain things for her, it's okay that the people at her facility have started washing her hair for her, for instance. So hey, maybe I have gotten to acceptance. (laughs) (laughs) Asking, asking for help. I think that's a big new trend. And I hope that we can be a driver from it. And maybe not even a trend, a movement. I feel like it used to be that asking for help was a weakness or, or getting help was a weakness, whether it's with mental health or even you reach a certain position in job or career and, and, you're in a leadership position, so you can't ask for help. Like that would be a sign of weakness. And and I see that way of thinking really falling by the wayside and vulnerability really emerging as a, a way to be, but even, even a skill set kind of uh, emerging out of it. And I don't know if this is the right segue or not, but in thinking about acceptance for me, it's pretty easy for me to accept the fact that my mother, our mother has Alzheimer's because she can still give me what I need from her as my mother, which is, I'm, it's, it's very clear to me that I am loved by her. I mean, isn't that all anyone wants from their, from their mother and at the end of the day, You know, I I had a mom who I know loved me, taught me what love is. That's, and she can still, she can still do that. Yeah. And it's an unconditional love. That's the thing, right? Well. (laughs) Are we also accepting that it's late on a Sunday? (laughs) (laughs) 
accepting that. And also let's just let, and acknowledging that we're really darn lucky to have each other. Yes. Yeah. I mean, being a caregiver is, you know, luckily we're grateful to each other and we have each other because there's many people out there who don't have the support and anybody, people like to pass judgment on what's going on without understanding how difficult it is. So to any caregiver who is out there and listening to this, we know, we know how hard it is and we support you and salute you and we stand in solidarity with you and just know that, you know, we, we understand, we get it so hard. Yeah. We're all family in this. Yeah. 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 Nice to be with you guys. Let's do this again soon. All right. Great. Bye, guys. Good night. Bye. Good night. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to All's in the Fam. In the fight against Alzheimer's and dementia, we are all family. Find us at All's in the Fam on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, and on our website, allsinthefampodcast.com. We appreciate you clicking that subscribe button on Apple, Google, Spotify, or whatever your favorite podcast catcher may be. Alzheimer's sucks, but we are in it together. We are Alls in the Family. Talk soon.